Welcome to Fleet Baptist Church. We hope you enjoy the latest in our teaching series. Hello. Lovely to see you all. I did have a good holiday. I did. Thank you. We did. We got back Friday. I tell you what, the, the worst bit about the holiday was the journey home. Three and a half hours in the pouring rain with two crying babies. I was like, Jesus, just teleport me now, please. Please. He did it to Philip. Holy Spirit came and took Philip after he'd spoke with the eunuch. I was like, okay, Jesus, now is the time. Please, just get us home. It was only so fast the car could go. 70 miles per hour, of course. Yeah, we had a lovely time, thank you. There's something about just being in nature, isn't there? I don't know about you. I, I, I find it hard, hard to understand city folk. I really do. I'm not, I just love being places where there's no man-made things. I love man-made things, don't get me wrong, like technology, sound, beautiful, love it, but there's something about being in creation, just like the, the, the water, the colours, the, the, everything, the wind. There's just something restoring to the soul for me that's actually like, oh, I love this and I've, I've missed this. And we're really grateful for living in a place like Fleet because we're surrounded we are so surrounded so from so many different options of where we can go, and especially in a place like lockdown, we've, we've been really blessed by places that we can go. But um, yeah, we had a lovely time, thank you, and it's good to be back. It's really good to be back, and I'm excited to, to share with you this morning. I don't know about you, but I, I feel my spirit stirring. I feel my spirit stirring about God wanting to move in this place today, and he wants to move every day. I, I truly believe that, and one thing we've unpacked over the last couple of weeks is actually he wants to move more than we want him to move. And just because our circumstances don't line up with that doesn't mean it's not true. Like, God is so passionate about meeting with his people, and that's why the Holy Spirit is here. And, um, yeah, that's what we're going to unpack a little bit more today as we've, we come to the, the end of this mini-series on the Holy Spirit. But um, let's pray together, shall we? One of the keys... Sorry, before we pray. <laughs> Love, sorry, getting you all to bow your head, sorry. One of the keys to life of the Holy Spirit is sensitivity. So right now, I'd encourage you just to be sensitive. You know, sometimes the word sensitive is, is, is pushed on people. Oh, that's so sensitive. Just leave, you know, just leave them alone. But actually, sensitivity is actually absolutely key when you're um, walking with the Holy Spirit. So let's just become sensitive right here, right now, to, to the Holy Spirit in this place. Hmm. Spirit of the living God. Would the river that flows from your throne flow through this place today? Would we be caught up in the rush of the river? Would we be overwhelmed by the breath of heaven? Would we meet the Holy Spirit in a powerful way today? Would you cause us to have golden senses to your spirit? And what he's saying and what he's doing within us and in this place, in this, this, this church today. Father, we don't want just another church service. We don't just want another teaching, Lord. We, wanna, we, wanna, we want fresh bread. We want fresh revelation. We don't just want to have a, a service that's been done years and years ago. We want, we want new things, Father. We thank you that you promised new things. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you'd have fun in this place today. You would bring the joy that is in your presence. You would bring the freedom that comes with you wherever you go. 
And Holy Spirit, would I just be your gateway to, to your people today? And would you speak through me? May the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. We adore you, we love you, and we thank you for what you're going to do in this place and what you're doing right here, right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Cool. So, the, the reason I'm up here now is because we want to have a bit more time at the end in worship. So, we, I'm coming up now. Usually, this doesn't happen. We're coming up straight after Powerhouse. There's a bit more songs of worship. But I'm coming up now just to, just to give us a bit more time to to do what we're talking about just engage the Holy Spirit and just spend time with him and it's, um, he's, the, he's, 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 he's everything absolutely everything and for us I mean for me I wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for him I met the Holy Spirit when I was about 13 years old and um, to be fair I think I, I think I rejected him for a few years not, not rejected him but I, I didn't give myself opportunity to meet him I felt him calling me a long long time before but it took me a few years for my heart to be ready does that make sense? And actually, when, I, when, I, when my heart was ready, I stepped forward to receive. Um, I, nobody, I don't think anybody touched me even. I just stepped forward to respond, and I just cried for hours and hours and hours. Like I, just, I, I, met, I met something that changed my life forever. And for that, I'm eternally grateful. And, that's, and it doesn't always happen the same way. There's no formula in the kingdom of Jesus, in the kingdom of God, is there? Jesus didn't say, oh, do it this way, and it will work every time. There's different things that Jesus does differently. There's no formula, so everyone's different. Everyone has different encounters. Everyone's wired differently, so that's important to know. But anyway, moving on. So we're at the point now where we've gone through the Old Testament. We've gone through um, hearing about the Holy Spirit hovering above the waters and turning up from time to time within the Old Testament. It is more about him being upon people, whereas entering into the New Testament is about being within people, Okay. And we've got to the point now, we heard from Ruth, and we've, we, we know the Bible, we know the story that Jesus is handing on the baton to the Holy Spirit. Jesus, is, his run, his race, has achieved everything he set out to achieve. He destroyed the works of the darkness. He, he, he died on the cross and rose again. He achieved, achieved everything he set out to achieve. And now it was time to pass on the baton to the Holy Spirit. Who, who remember, he said earlier, he will never leave you nor forsake you. Okay, he said, forever he is with you. Even if you don't feel it, he's always with you. And that was for our benefit. Jesus said, it is good that I go away. It's for your benefit that I go away and that the Holy Spirit comes. Because when the Holy Spirit comes, it means that we can have more of Jesus than ever before. It means that we can have constant access, continual access to the Father. You know, whereas before as Jesus was on the earth, he was, he was in one place at one time. He was in Israel and he traveled around there. But now he can be fully in this place and fully in Iran, fully in Israel, fully in China. You know, so it's, it's for our benefit that he went away to give us the, the lavish, the unending supply of the Holy Spirit for our benefit, for your benefits. It was good. So Jesus said, it's actually, it's good that I'm going away. You're going to love what's coming next. You're going to love it. And that's when the baton is passed on to the Holy Spirit. And we're going to read together from um, Acts 2, verse 2 from the Passion Translation. I've never read it from the Passion Translation before, but I, I, I really enjoyed it, so let's read together. It should be on the screen. On the day Pentecost was being fulfilled, all the disciples were gathered in one place. Suddenly they heard the sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from out of the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering, it was all anyone could bear. Then all at once a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. It separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them. 
They were all filled with and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they had never learned. You know, that's, that's a quite a descriptive analogy of what was going on, right? And boy, do we want that in this place. Boy, do we want that. And a lot of us have experienced that as well. But you know, I, I, I see that word rushing. You know, we, it's often described as a mighty rushing wind. And I, and I think back to the prodigal son about a rushing father, a running father. And I think that the baton has been hands on to the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, wait in this place and the helper will come to you. And the Holy Spirit speeds in. He can't wait to meet with his people. He can't wait to equip them, to, to fulfill them, for them to be filled with joy and to be over, overflowing, to be, their hearts to be comforted from all the trauma they've been through of losing Jesus, all the joy they've gone through. The Holy Spirit rushes in to meet them. It's key that we get to an understanding that God wants to meet with you. And the fact that he'll rush in to meet with you, it's like you give the Holy Spirit an inch and he will take a mile. He rushes in to meet with you. The same as the father rushed out to the porch to meet his son who was coming home. The same way the Holy Spirit rushed in to meet with his people and to equip them and to empower them. He says, it will be, you'll, you'll be received, you will receive power. And this is the fulfillment of John the Baptist. He said, I baptize you with water, but one who is coming will baptize you with fire. And a baptism of fire is key. That's new life again. You talk about baptism of water, that's new life, isn't it? You, the dead is going. But a baptism of fire is a new level of life again. And it's so like the nature of God just to increase and increase and increase. It's never to be stagnant, but to keep moving on, to keep growing, to keep maturing. He never does the same thing twice. And remember, I said this a couple of weeks ago, and we've unpacked this, that it wasn't enough for God just to create a way for us to be with him when we die. By sending the Holy Spirit by the cross, it made a way for him to be with us, not just for us to be with him. Does that make sense? It wasn't, tearing the veil was not just an opportunity for us to enter into the holy place, but it was an opportunity for God to be with us, the continuing dwelling of the Holy Spirit. Now, the disciples are fully equipped. Okay, you just think about what they've been through. They've been through the ups and the downs, the persecution, everything. They've seen the miracles. They've seen the dead raised. They've, seen Jesus, they've had Jesus' words fulfilled right in front of their eyes. They've, seen, they, they, they've just experienced the pillar of fire, the mighty rushing wind. They've, they're fully equipped and fully convinced. Therefore, they go to the very death with this message on their hearts. And it's astounding. If you read some of the stories of how these died, or how the disciples died, it's unbelievable. Some were boiled to death, but it took them a long, long time to die fully convinced of what was in them and what Jesus had done and who they were. And it's vital, and I believe it's vital, that you and I carry the same convinced mentality of who we are and what he's done and what he's got within us. You know, I've said for a long time, Lord, Lord, I don't just want to believe in you. I want to know you. I want to know you. I don't just want to believe in you and have, you know, half and half, but I want to know you. I want to, I want to talk about God the way that I know that you guys are right here right now. And I believe that's, that's, that's the desire that God has for you and for him, to have a relationship where you know him intimately and personally. So let's look at, we're going to read in Acts 3, verse 3, look at what that looks like, an empowered lifestyle of the Holy Spirit. We've just done the, the book, The Scattered Servants, and you see 
stories like this. But let's look at these guys, these just average fishermen who've been empowered by the Spirit, have been transformed by relationship with Jesus, and now transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's read together in Acts 3, verse 3. Let me check who's here. Um, okay. Maybe I might have got these wrong. I'm sorry if I have. But Acts 3, verse 3, chapter 1. One afternoon, Peter and John went to the temple for the three o'clock prayer. As they came to the entrance called the Beautiful Gate, they were captured by the sight of a man crippled from birth, being carried in a place and placed at the entrance to the temple. He was often brought there to beg for money from those going into worship. When he noticed Peter and John going into the temple, he begged them for money. Peter and John looking straight into the eyes of the crippled man, empowered by the Holy Spirit just a few chapters before. Look at us. Expecting gift, he readily gave them his attention. Then Peter said, I don't have money, but I give you this. By the power of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. Boy, oh boy. Such confidence, such faith that comes from the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Peter held out his hand and held up, Peter held out his right hand to help the crippled man. As he pulled the man to his feet, suddenly power surged into his crippled feet and ankles. The man jumped up, stood there for a moment and moment stunned, and then he began to walk around. As he went into the temple courts with Peter and John, he leapt for joy and shouted praises to God. The Holy Spirit within you causes the atmosphere to change around you. There's a verse in Jeremiah that stands out to me every single time. And God says to Jeremiah, go to them, Jeremiah, but don't let them change you. You change them. As Christians, as followers, we are called to not conform to the pattern of this world. You know, the pattern of this world was to walk past that guy and give him a bit of money. But we, empowered by the Holy Spirit, are called to look at these people and say, get up in the name of Jesus Christ and walk. That's what a Christian lifestyle is. That's what a believing lifestyle is, empowered by the Holy Spirit, full of confidence, full of assurance, not a doubt in their mind that Jesus was going to do it and that he could do it from what they'd seen and what they'd done and what he taught them to do. I want to backtrack a little bit back into the Old Testament again. And I want to step into something that I've, I've struggled with, still struggle with this to this day, and I believe a lot, of, a lot of believers struggle with. And we're going to unpack it a little bit. So let's go to uh, 1 Chronicles 11 together. Okay, and what, the, the, what has basically happened just before this story, that Saul has, Saul has been killed. He died in battle. He failed as king. He truly failed as king. He, he, disobeyed the, 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 he disobeyed the voice of God, and he went to seek a medium in, and because he, just, he needed more power, but he went to the wrong source. You know, he went to the wrong source, and now he, he dies in battles, and he fails as king. They lose the ark, okay, and next to be king is David. Okay? And remember David, he was, he was anointed king at 16 years old. But this is years and years and years later. You know, if God has given you a promise and he's making you wait, you're in good company. I think it was close to 20 years he actually had to wait before he actually became king. Yet years before, as a teenager, he was anointed king. And Samuel said, this is it. God said to Samuel, this is the one who's going to be king of Israel. So that's the backstory. Saul has just been killed. The ark has been lost. And David is just becoming king because he was the anointed one. So let's read together in 1 Chronicles 11. Just stay with me on this one. Then all Israel gathered before David at Hebron and told him, We are your own flesh and blood. In the past, even when Saul was king, you were the one who really led the forces of Israel. And the Lord your God told you, You will be the shepherd of my people Israel. 
you will be the leader of my people Israel. So there at Hebron, David made a covenant before the Lord with all the elders of Israel. They anointed him king of Israel, just as the Lord had promised through Samuel. So that's going back to when David was a shepherd boy. Samuel anointed him king, got the oil poured over him. So this is years and years ago. But now he's becoming king. Saul is dead, he's becoming king. The elders, and he's made the covenant, he's becoming king. Chapter 4. Then David and all Israel went to Jerusalem, or Jebus as it, was called, it used to be called, where the Jebusites, the original inhabitants of the land, were living. The people of Jebus taunted David, saying, you'll never get in here. But David captured the fortress of Zion, which is now called the city of David. David said to his troops, whoever is first to attack the Jebusites will become their commander of my armies. And Joab, the son of David's sister Zariah, was first to attack, so he became the commander of David's armies. David made the fortress his home, and that is why it's called the City of David. And the City of David is still there to this day. You can go and visit the City of David. He extended the city from the supporting terraces to the surrounding area, while Joab rebuilt the rest of Jerusalem, and David became more and more powerful because the Lord of Heaven's armies was with him. So what can you see here? David is being established as king. And time is going on. They're rebuilding the city. They're extending the boundaries. He's been anointed king. And David is putting things in place. And he he is king, okay? There's no doubt about that. He's been placed as king, anointed as king. He had the word when he was a teenager. He is king, all right? He is king of Israel. Chapter 12 and chapter 13, I'm going to just give you a brief overview of them. Chapter 12 is all about David's warriors joining him and equipping the army. Chapter 13 is about getting the Ark of the Covenant back, which was stolen in, in battle with Saul. Okay, so that's chapter 12, chapter 13. So I don't know the time frame which is going on here, but it's, it's, not, it's not overnight. David has been king. They're retrieving the ark. He's equipping. He, he's changing things in the city. He's getting the ark back. He, he's building his army. Okay, and we're, we're going we're to end it here. 1 Chronicles 14, and I'm going to read this one. It's not going to be on the screen. Okay, 1 Chronicles 14. So this is a few chapters later after he had been anointed king. Now Hiram, king of Tyre, sent messages to David and timbers of cedars with masons and carpenters to build him a house. Okay, this is the important part. And David perceived that the Lord had confirmed him king over Israel, for his kingdom was lifted up on high because of his people Israel. David was living as a king without the realisation that he was a king. He had everything. He had been anointed. It had been set in stone. Everything was happening for him to know that he was king. But it wasn't until a revelation came that he realized, hold on, I'm, I'm the king. I'm the king. Hold on, the Lord has made me king here. And for so many of us, we're living as kings, but we have no understanding that we are. We have no knowledge that we are. For so many of us, with the, with the deposit of the Holy Spirit within us, we are living as, with the richest of riches within us and upon us, but we have no understanding of it. We are royalty. We are sons and daughters of God. The Holy Spirit poured out upon us is the, the, the very essence, the very Spirit of God being put within you and upon you, making you and I the richest people on this earth. If you need freedom... Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. If you need love, it's there. If you need kindness, it's there. If you need comfort, if you need counsel, if you need rebuking, it's there. Therefore, making us the richest people in all of the earth. But so many of us are without the realisation of who we really are and what we've really got 
and what he's really done. Does this make sense? Can you relate to this? Because so many of the times we, we, we know it in our heads, but we don't come to the revelation within our hearts. Remember, revelation isn't information. Revelation changes your head, your heart, your soul, everything. It's like when you're reading the Bible and something jumps out and you've read it a million times and you're like, whoa, I get it now. I get it now. And sometimes our, our mentality can be our biggest hindrance to accessing the blessings of God, the fullness of life, all that he died for us to give. You've got a, a fascinating man called Enoch, who's a bit of a mystery. Do we know Enoch, heard of Enoch? Yeah? So I think there's only two times you really hear of Enoch, in Genesis and in Hebrews. Okay. And in Genesis, it says this, Enoch lived 365 years, walking in close fellowship with God. Then one day he disappeared because God took him. Just like that, just a random, random sequence in there. I think he's, he's in the genealogies, but that's just a random thing about Enoch. He lived 365 years. He walked in close fellowship with God. Then one day he disappeared because God took him. Let's have a look what Hebrews 11 says. So it unpacks it for us. We don't know the, the writer of Hebrews, but they must have had some understanding into the life of Enoch somehow, some way, by the Spirit of God. It says this, Hebrews 11, by faith, can you say by faith? By faith. There you go, just checking you're awake. <laughs> by faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found, he could not be found because God had taken him away. And I want to suggest that you and I, living as kings within a, king made, a, a palace made for us, living as sons and daughters of God, though we may not feel it, we may not experience it, we may not have goosebumps the whole time walking around the streets of Fleet or waking up in the morning, we may not feel the, the, the overpowering presence of Jesus continually, we don't go by feelings, we go by faith. And it was by faith that Enoch walked with God closely. It was by faith that he engaged the presence of God closely. And therefore, it's by faith that you and I receive the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? It's by faith that you receive the Holy Spirit. And let's read in Galatians 3, okay? Galatians 3. I'm coming to an end now. Don't worry. Galatians 3. Paul is rebuking the Galatians, okay? He's really digging into them. He's really going for it. I'd encourage you to read it. We're going to read from Galatians 3, verse 5. It says this. Let me ask you again, what does the lavish supply of the Holy Spirit in your life and the miracles of God's tremendous power have to do with you keeping religious laws? In other words, what does God's Holy Spirit upon you have anything to do with how many times you come to church, how many times you read your Bible, how many times you live a good Christian life? It's got nothing to do with that. Nothing. Those things are good, and, I, and we are called to live in righteousness. You reap what you sow, live righteously. I'll say that. He says, what does the lavish supply of the Holy Spirit in your life and the miracles of God's tremendous power have anything to do with you keeping the religious law? The Holy Spirit is poured out upon us through the revelation and the power of faith. You can have as much of the Holy Spirit as you want. You've got to have the faith to have it. 
because he's poured it out upon you and he wants to meet with you. He'll rush in to meet with you, whether you feel it or not, whether you recognize it or not. It's nothing to do with our works, nothing to do with our works. It's by faith and faith alone. Galatians 5 tells you to walk by the Spirit. It tells us to walk within the Spirit. See within the Spirit. Have the eyes of your hearts be open. We're called to live a life close and intimate to the Holy Spirit. And it's only by faith that we engage the Holy Spirit. This wonderful counsellor, this friend, this lover of our soul, who wants to help you, who wants to minister to you, who wants to love you, and was poured out upon all flesh, 2,000 years ago, and you have access to that Holy Spirit, that same Holy Spirit by faith. By faith. Which is exciting. You know, the Holy Spirit is such a mystery, but he wants to be known. And we're called to make him known. Now, should we, should we by faith, Engage the Holy Spirit. Yeah.